Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Thank you. All the praise goes to the Lord as we just sang about. And by the way, a man that big shouldn't sing that high, but that was awesome. Thank you for allowing me and my family to be here with you this morning and uh, to be able to preach as part of the series. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie. I know they're away in Israel, but I'm so grateful for our partnership and for the way our family feels at home here. You always make us feel welcome. We know so many of you, so many of us, you support what we do, and so we're grateful for that. And today, I have the privilege of just preaching a, a very simple message. Pastor Dwayne asked me to be a part of this series called, What on Earth Am I Here For?, in the middle of this series, and he's asked me to speak on that topic, and I'm going to attempt to do that today. And as I pull this message together, i got to tell you, I finished it, and yesterday I was sitting in my house, I was looking it over, and I'm like, this is just so simple. And so today, I, I might finish, and you go, that's it, and that's it. It's going to be a simple message. And really, you know, this is probably the youngest service in terms of people coming. Maybe last night was younger, but a lot of younger people here today, and middle-aged and older, a great balance, and really, where you are in life makes you answer that question a little bit different. I mean, we all know Jesus. I mean, you know, my kids always said growing up in the house, if they didn't know how to answer a question, just say Jesus, and that was usually right. And we all, what on earth am I here for? Jesus, got it. Yes, that's absolutely right. But when you're 10, yeah, I go back to when I was 10 sitting at church. If the pastor walked up like this and said, what on earth are you here for? I know at 10, maybe I was just a bad kid, but I would have been sitting there thinking, me too. I mean, that's a great question, preacher. I'd rather be home shooting basketball. I mean, you know, I, I'd just be honest. Because at 10 years old, being in church wasn't my favorite thing. And then when you're 15, if the preacher says, what on earth are you here for? You're sitting there thinking, because my parents made me come. It just changes. It all depends. So what on earth are we here for? And today, I'm going to give you an analogy using this little ladder that is going to help you kind of see what I think is a, a good way of looking at where you are in life and analyzing, am I really figuring out? Am I really understanding why I've been put on this earth? This is going to be real simple, and it's come to me in the last month because of what Jane and I have been going through in our life. Um, we both had our moms pass away about three and a half weeks ago. My mom passed away on a Monday. Her mom passed away on a Friday in the same week. It was, it was crazy. We went to one mom's funeral and then drove four hours, and her mother passed. And I watched, to use the analogy, my moms who have lived their life out here, they've been busy, and I'll explain all this. In life, you do all kind of stuff, and then you begin to head up this ladder of maturity, and then you take what I believe you're on this earth for. You take your last final step off the very top rung. And your life on this earth is to prepare you for that step. And depending on your age, that can feel really close or it can really feel far away. If you're here today and you're 70, you perked up a little bit when I pointed at that last step. If you're 80 and you can see that step, you know it's right up there. But if you're like, 12, you're out here. You know there's a ladder over there and there's this thing. You've heard them talk about eternity, but that step looks so far away. I mean, our grandparents take that step, but not us. And in the normal routine of life, that's right. Circumstances can change, but in the normal, general life, 
at 12, that step looks pretty distant. If you're down there and you're in elementary school, and uh, let's just kind of use it, it's even further away removed than the 12-year-old or the 15-year-old. Down in here, elementary school, man, you're not even thinking about that stuff. And people, death, don't talk to me about it. I don't even know what you mean. And so life is about understanding that we step toward that ladder every day. And, and really, it's really kind of interesting in our society. People don't like to talk about it. But I want to just kind of make sure you all realize it. It's the one thing all of us hold in common. We will take the last step. It's the one for sure thing. All of us will not have the same parents. All of us will not grow up in a home with a mom and a dad. All of us will not live in the Grand Haven area, our Granville area. I get that. But we'll all step off that last step. So we ought to think about it. And what you're on earth for is to prepare for that step. And today what I'm going to do is share with you from the book of Titus, chapter 2, a very simple teaching. Paul is talking to Titus, and he's saying, hey man, here's some stuff you need to know. And he first discovers and talks about what it means to be an elder and a deacon and a leader in the church. And then Paul begins to give just basic teaching for church folk. And it must have been that in Paul's day, the people were a lot like our day, because these questions are so pertinent for us this morning. And he categorizes the group he talks to. He talks to older men, older women, younger men, and younger women. And today, as I do it, I'm going to break down all four categories. You get to pick the group you're in. I am no chance I'm going to point at you and say you're an older woman. That's your choice. You think you're younger? Go for it. But I want to talk to you just about how you're doing in preparing for this ladder. Because I used to be out in here trying to raise my family. And I, I knew that was coming. My grandfather had passed. But then the days have kind of kind of wrapped around me a little bit more. And, and I find myself now, if I was real honest with myself, I think I'm up on this ladder pretty high. I'm away from some of the busyness of life. I see you guys who are dealing with that stuff, but I'm not there anymore. I kind of, I'm imagining up the ladder if this is 50, it's 60, 70, 80, 90. Yeah, this is about where I am. I watch y'all. I watch y'all admire with all your little children. And I go, boy, that looks tiring. See you later. I mean, that's just where I'm at. I don't have to deal with that anymore. But what's interesting is uh, standing here, when your mom takes the last step, it looks a whole lot closer for me. And I realize this is where I'm headed. And I realize that my children and grandchild now, grandchildren soon, will be watching me as I ascend this ladder. Now the question is, are you doing this? Because there are a lot of people who don't even want to imagine the ladders there. They almost say, eternity? Nope, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. You can ignore it all you want, but I got bad news for you. It's coming. And the mature, wise person says, okay, since I'm not born to live forever on this earth, I must be here to prepare myself for that final step of being with Christ. And today... I'm going to talk first to older men, then I'm going to talk to older women. And I wouldn't even risk using that little term, but it's in Scripture. So I can say older women and be safe. 
Older men, no problem. But you don't call, you don't walk up to a woman and go, boy, you're older. You can say that to a man, but you don't go into Meyer and walk up to a lady. Man, you look older. Mm-mm. You're going down, you say that. So today I will address older women from Scripture. It's beautiful. Then I will talk to younger women and then younger men. We start with older men. And if you read Titus chapter 2, you can do it this afternoon. It gives detail by detail of exactly what I'm saying. I'm going to basically read the scripture as a question. I want to ask those of you who are older men, here's the first question. Are you temperate? That's what, that's what Paul said. Teach the older men to be temperate. You say, I don't even know what it means. So I wrote down the definition. I'm going to read it to you. Are you emotionally calm and you avoid any behavior that's not normal for your age? Are y'all laughing because y'all got an older man in your life that freaks out some? I mean, you know, older men, I want to just tell you older men something. You're not young men anymore. You don't act like a two-year-old anymore. One of the things I do when I need a good illustration, um, I'll drive to Walmart, just walk around a while. <laughs> if you're here and you preach or you speak and you're coming up with something, just go to Walmart. Get what you need and then pick up the illustration. <laughs> so I was at Walmart the other day waiting in line, and there was a dude, appeared to be 75, 80. He was in line, he was trying to check out, and he lost it. He wasn't happy with something the cashier had done. He was yelling. He was acting exactly like a two-year-old, like a little kid. I'm standing behind him. I started laughing. I know I shouldn't. I should have been praying for him, but I was, I was laughing. Because I'm like, dude, I wanted to go up to him and go, dude, you're 104. Cool down a little. Because <laughs> when older men do that, they just look silly. They look silly. Let me tell you something. Older men who are here. You don't look very mature and you don't look like you're preparing for that when you lose it over silly stuff. Because you see, the older you get, the more detached you become to this world and more attached to that world. How about we look like it? How about we act like it? I don't always handle this the best. My wife said to me, she's sitting right here, she said to me this week, I didn't even notice. I've been stressed, been going through a lot with my office, a lot of moving and changes, and then my mother dying, her mother dying. We've been on the road. We've been in Chicago. We've been in Ohio. We've been in Oklahoma City. I haven't been home much. And Jane said to me the other day, Dan, you haven't been being nice to me. And I, at first I was like, well, I have. She goes, Dan, I'm just telling you, you haven't been being nice to me. Well, that's not the reflection of an older man. And, and, and my daughter who's sitting right here had said to mom, Mom, I was watching Dad the other day. He hasn't been being nice to you. That's embarrassing. I, I don't want to have a reputation of not being a nice older man. I want my family to go, I respect him. He's maturing. He doesn't act like a kid anymore. You got, any of y'all know, I got a good friend. His dad, 75, his, his wife passed away. He's going, he, he's trying to look like a young man again. He looks foolish. He pulls up in the car, got his hair all waxed over. He got out of the car. And me and my friend are looking at him going, really? <laughs> he thinks he's 16. He just looks silly. Can I tell you, if you're an older man, you're not a young man anymore. Deal with it. Mature. Paul, must have been in Paul's day they did this too. 
Cretes must have struggled with this too. And I'm telling you that I believe we are called as older men to become more like Christ and to become more temperate. And then the second thing it says, and I kind of mentioned it, are you worthy? Listen, older men, Paul asked this question. Teach them to be worthy of respect. Does your family respect you? When y'all get together, do they go, hey, guys, 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 no. Hey, if dad said that, we need to listen to him. Or do they go, oh, who cares what he thinks? See, the way you live will determine if they want to hear from you. I've shared with you in the past, I can't remember how long it's been, but I talked about a guy named Brother Gerard. Brother Gerard, when I first met him, I was probably in the 10 range, 8 to 10. It would have been at a campground back in South Carolina. He would have probably been around 50, maybe 45. But, you know, I got to tell you, the first time I saw him, I thought he was close to death. And I want to put that in perspective because those of us who are around 50, you got to know when 10-year-olds look at you, they don't go, oh, cool. They go, ooh, it's sad. I mean, it's old. You look old. You remember when you were 10 and saw a 50-year-old, you'd be like, ah, won't be long. I mean, that's just the thought that comes to your mind. Now, 50, we go, no, I got half my life left. Mm-hmm, the wrong half. But that's where we are. That's where we are. So at 10, I'd see my brother Gerard, and, and I really respected him a lot. He was known as a prayer man. He, was, he had prayed so much. He had prayed so much. Seriously, he prayed so much. My mom told me this. He stayed in this position so much in prayer that when he stood, his back had that little hunchback thing. So when you saw him, he was kind of, I'm not going to lie, he freaked me out a little bit. It looked like the hunchback of Notre Dame. I remember as a little kid seeing him going, hey, here comes that scary man. And I, he would be like this. And I'd say to my mom, why is he? Well, because he prays a lot. And I knew that was the reason, but it still scared me. But I knew my mom really respected him. I knew the people around the campground were like, oh, that's Brother Gerard. Very quiet. He seemed to be rather temperate. And then, fast forward time. I'm 35, 40. I've moved to Michigan. Now I'm preaching. I get invited back. The dream. To be invited back to your hometown to preach the camp services that week. So I get invited to go back to the place where I had grown up as a little kid. But I've been in Michigan now for many years. So to get to go back, going back home, the homeboy came home. And so I remember I went back. It was the first uh, night, I believe, before I preached. I was preaching throughout the week at these revival kind of services. And I was 35, 40. And I remember I went into the little, they had a little prayer chapel you could pray in before the service. And I went to the prayer chapel, and uh, Brother Gerard was the only other person in there. There's a little place, you know, before you go into the main sanctuary, there's a prayer chapel. So I went in the prayer chapel to pray before I preached. And when I went in there, here was this older man. I didn't know he was in there. And I recognized it was Brother Gerard. He's 80 or 90 now. And he had a little book, he had this little book, flipping through it. Page by page. And I, I was the only other one in the chapel with him. He was up toward the little front area over in the corner, had his little book. And I could see he was, had his little finger running down. And then he would turn another little white page in this book. And he turned a little page. And I was over here. I had gone in there to pray, but I'm not going to lie. I started getting sneaky. I was like, I wonder what he is doing over there. <laughs> so I was real quiet. He couldn't hear me. And I snuck up. And I was watching him turn the pages and stuff. After I watched him for a little while, I was like, he is praying over name after name after name. This is that prayer dude. 
And I went back, I did my stuff, I kind of watched with one eye until he finished praying. And then he kind of sat down, there was a little chair there. He kind of got up on the little bench to get all of his stuff together. And he's older now, it wasn't easy for him to move around. And I came over to him, I said, Brother Gerard. He said, yeah, yes, yes. I said, Brother Gerard, uh, I'm Dan Seaborn, you don't know me. Um, but I'm the one that's going to be preaching tonight. I've been invited back. I live in Michigan. And I said, I just wanted to kind of talk to you. It's like, what is that little book you had there? And he said, oh, it's just my little prayer journal. And he picked it up. He said, I just, I've written down names over the years of people I'm praying for. And this is, I just go through it and pray for it every day. I said, Brother Gerard, that's, that's wonderful. And I said, uh, Brother Gerard, I'm up in Michigan. Now, you never hear from me. You'll never hear much more about me. But is there any chance you would be willing to add me to that book of names? He took his little book, he flipped it open a few pages, and he said, isn't that your name right there? Yeah, I did the same thing. I was like, sir, are you kidding me? He said, I've been praying for you for years. Are you kidding me? I got up from there, give me a Bible, let me get to preaching, man. I mean, you know, <laughs> when you got some wind underneath your wings, you can go, you know? And let me just say to you, older men in here, is there anybody going to find out later you've been praying for them? Are you going to surprise somebody? <laughs> or, can I just say this? Are you a little bit like me where if you pray for somebody, you make sure you tell them so you get the daily applause? <laughs> See, he didn't need that stuff. You know why? He was so detached from this stuff. He was ready for that step. And you know what? I respect him. He's on my list, three, four, five people that I would say I most respect. And I barely know him. But it's because he set an example. And that's what Paul was calling the older men to do. And that's what I'm calling you older men to do. Listen to me. If you're still older men, if you're still chasing this world, you are missing it. You're called to be mature. In fact, it finishes with older men you're to have self-control. Here's what that means. You have the power to potentially lord it over other people, but you don't. You only use your power to glorify Jesus. That's huge. And I'll tell you this. If you know an older man who's like that, you love to be around them, don't you? So older men in here like me, let's do it. Let's set that kind of example. So when it's our turn to take that final step, we do it with maturity. And then Paul addresses older women. And I'll look at the brick in the very back wall. I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> so anyway, older women, he asks you some questions. First of all, he says, are you reverent? Boy, that, that's, you know, how long has it been since you flipped on TV and heard? Today we're going to talk about reverence. It's a lost word. It means holiness, humility, grace. Do you operate that way? Hey, older women, I'm, I'm not clueless. I live in your society. I, I see all the ads. I mean, you're basically told if you look older, you've got to look younger because you're out of touch. We don't build stores in the mall for you anymore. We build them for younger women. But if you want to come, that's fine. You can try to look younger. And if you flip on your TV, which I've sometimes done at 1230, there will be a show on anti-aging. I'm not sure why they're doing it at 1230 because the older women are sleeping. 
But they got cream. You can rub. You rub that cream on, you'll look 25. But there's bad news for those of us who are older. We're just going to keep looking older. I said to Jane this morning, I woke up, I looked at my eyes, I said, look at the sacks under my eyes. Just called aging. Older women, can I just say to you, don't be ashamed of your age. Be so reverent and so holy and so godly that the younger women go, I want, in a minute I'm going to talk to the younger women about who your role models are. I want to just challenge you younger women. I want you to find an older woman who you see that's reverent and godly and holy. That's your role model. My mom, can I say this and you receive it in total love because I'd say it if she was sitting right here. My mom wasn't very attractive, but she was very attractive. She took that final step with grace. She didn't get to the final step. She didn't finish her life going, well, I don't want to be up here. I don't, I know I'm that old. No, no. In fact, my mom, let me get up to my appropriate step. My mom, I watched her fly off from here. And two weeks before she passed, I'd taken her into the hospital and I was coming back to Michigan. I had to preach, and I knew it was a two-week series, and I wouldn't be able to get back down there until I'd done both Sundays. And I said to my mom, Mom, I don't know how much more I'll get to see you. I said, Mom, you know we're close to the end, right? I know, son. Ready, right, Mom? I'm ready. And I said, I'd like you to give, and I wrote it down. I said, Mom, I'd like you to give me the final words you want me to say because I'll make sure the grandkids and kids hear it. And I read it at her funeral. Here's the final thing Mom said. She said, Lord, be with all my family and please help them all get to heaven. I love you all. I've done all I can. And I'm done preaching. That's what she said. And I wrote it down. And I want to say to you, what she was saying was, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's get it over with. Let's go. And that's where, you know, I'm standing here watching it going, okay, mine, and, and, and here, I'm not going to do it, but boys, you get to that top step, it gets kind of tippy. I'm not doing it. But I watched mom kind of tip her way from this earth to that earth. The old heart was beating, not beating, then it tipped into eternity. And I'm saying to all you ladies in this room, live reverent. My mom lived reverent, and she flew with joy into the arms of Jesus. And, and secondly, it says, <laughs> must have been a lot like our day, Paul says to the older women, are you a slanderer or a gossiper? Boy, they must have loved to talk back then as they talk now. And see, the older you get, you think it's young women that do this, but it's the older women that are better at it. And the reason, I can show you why they're better at it, as they climb up the ladder, they can see more stuff over there, Aunt Bertha, her situation and that situation and that one and that one. And look over here. You can gossip because there's a ton to gossip about. And what's interesting is the older mature ladies, ready? They see all of that and they zip it in terms of talking down here. And they say, Lord, almost tipped over there. Lord, I saw another uh, situation today as I observed my family. I, I need to bring this to you in prayer. And Lord, I saw my cousin over here and, and that one neighbor of mine, Lord, I saw a situation. Lord, I bring this to you. I'm not bringing it to them. I'm bringing it to you. How y'all doing with that older ladies? That's the young women clapping for y'all. 
Jane has some girls she encourages and helps, and one of them's going through a tough situation like that where an older woman is saying some stuff that she shouldn't. And Jane and I talked about how sad that is that the younger woman isn't seeing any maturity in the older woman. Older ladies, listen to me. Don't be slanderers. Don't be gossipers. Prepare yourself for the final step. Realize you are not on this earth to talk, talk, talk. You're on this earth to pray, 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 and get ready for the final step. Younger women, Paul next speaks to the younger women and he says this to them, are you self-controlled and pure? And it talks about self-control under each category, by the way, but under the young woman it says, are you self-controlled and pure? Which means to me, the girls in that day, just like the girls in this day, struggle with purity. Probably just like in that day, they were looking for some this or that or the other and sometimes it led them to do impure things. And I want to say to you, young women, I'm going to talk a little bit here, and I might get in trouble for this, but if I do, I do. Young women, you are being taught by the young women in this society to chase things that are not good and healthy for you. You are being told a way to live that does not honor the Lord, and it's not pleasing to Him, and it's hurting you. It's hurting your value. It's hurting your self-esteem. Paul very specifically says to the younger women, are you self-controlled and pure? Are you loving your husbands? Are you loving your children? Now watch this. There would be a group of women in our society who would say, oh, you're a male chauvinist. You're shoving it down their throats because you're, talking, you're telling them to be wives and, and children, love their children and that kind of thing. Why don't you talk to them about their jobs? I will. I'll do that. Here's what I'm going to say to you. If you want to pursue a career, go for it. It's awesome. Just never let that career be more important than your family. I say this to men all the time. I speak at Promise Keepers. Men, you know that. If you heard me speak, you know that. Hey, Dan Seaborn better not make his job more important taking care of his wife because if it is, I got things out of whack. And you ladies in this room, you are being taught. Ah, forget those, those guys. Look at him. He's a 50-year-old white man. What could he know? Well, I know this. I'm not basing this on my race Etc., etc. I'm bracing on what God's word says, and God's word always rings true. And if you're a young lady in here and you will love your husband and you will love your children, God will honor that and He will give you, I believe, great days ahead and He will bless your home. And I believe it. And let me, I wrote this down because I want you young ladies to listen to this. Your job won't stand by your casket, your children will. And I think just like in this day now, I believe in Paul's day. I read, I read some detail about that particular group of people. And one of the things those young women believed was if they'd just get married, they'd solve all their problems. And Paul was watching them and observed the opposite. Getting married won't solve your problems. It will add one more. <laughs> it's part of life. And so I want to say to you younger women, be careful what you're following and what you're chasing. That's why I said to you older women, set an example so the younger women have somebody to follow. Because right now, who they have to follow, um, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about it because I was watching the NBA. I like to watch the NBA. I enjoy playing basketball. You've heard me say that plenty of times. And last Sunday night, I'd recorded it, flew in from Oklahoma City, and I watched the highlights of the All-Star game, NBA All-Star game. And sitting right on the front row, because she's got lots of money and she's got lots of pull, sitting right on the front row in a big pink shirt with big silver letters right on front was really Rihanna. 
And the letters were S-P-O-I-L-E-D, spoiled. And the cameras on TNT could not get enough of Rihanna. They would show a shot, then they would go to Rihanna. Then they'd show something over here, right back to Rihanna. And she'd be doing this or whatever that thing is she does. And all you young girls, if you looked at that and thought, she has the life, I would tell you, I just want, I want to let you know, Rihanna will someday stand on that step. And that pink shirt won't make her fly. <laughs> and Kim Kardashian. You say, Dan, I can't believe you're putting these ladies down. Actually, after I talk about Kim, we're going to pray for the two of them that they'll come to know Jesus in the way they ought to. But I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm sorry, the whole Kardashian family, I'm going to tell you what they're built around. Drama! Drama! It fits you 20-year-old girls. So perfect. You teenage girls, 20-year-old girls. Drama! You say, how do you know? I know. I see you at the mall. You don't even know that other 20-something-year-old girl with your eyes. You go, what you glaring at? What you looking at? You guys just glare at each other. Y'all got this glare thing going on in your 20s. Like, who you think you are? I can strut my stuff good as you strut your stuff. Girls, I want to just kind of tell you, if that, if that 85-year-old man looks silly at Walmart, you do too. <laughs> you do too. Listen to me. Drama doesn't show maturity. Just because you can run your mouth faster than the other girl talking at you, that doesn't mean anything. And y'all use the B word a lot. That's not mature. That's not holy. That's not God. You just need to know. I'm just telling you because I'm 50 and I can talk about this because I'm old. But I see it sometimes in the mall ways and the byways, and I just go, really? You guys really are going to stare at each other and do that glare? That's so immature. I mean, let me read. Did it say anything about glaring? Nope. <laughs> Self-controlled and pure, loving your husbands, and being kind. Kindness isn't glaring. Kindness isn't throwing out these little words. You know what that girl, that girl, I'm going to get on Facebook. I'm going to tell her what she like. That's not kind. It's silly. You look childish. It's time for you to understand the ladder is coming your way. And someday you're going to stand on that stop step and all that, you ain't going to glare up at God and go, you're going to go, you're going to wish you were Brother Gerard, what you're going to wish. Well, he ain't much to look at, right, but he's going to fly. And today, I'm just kind of saying to you, younger women, don't get caught up in the world's trickery. Find an older woman who's respectful and reverent. Chase her. Chase her. Dan, why don't you talk about the younger men? Okay. <laughs> younger men. Can I talk from my heart a second? Younger men, I'm worried about you. You're not challenged much in our, our day. You're allowed to be foolish. You chase silly dreams. You said, Dan, how do you relate? How do you understand? Because I did. Married Jane when I was 21, and I can still remember I'd jump on my motorcycle just about every night to go play basketball. I remember saying to one day, You think you'll ever stay home with me? Silly. Immature. I didn't get it. But I grew up. 
And I think I'm probably close to the right step on the ladder. I can always improve. Last night as I was preaching, the Lord convicted me of something, and I'm going to work on it. And I already confessed to you, I hadn't been nice to my wife. That's not maturity. That's what 16-year-old boys do. I don't know if y'all can tell, but I ain't 16. (laughs) So it's time for me to grow up. Some of you young men in here, can I just say something to you? Can Can I just say this to you? Some of you who are young married men, you know more about your PlayStation's joystick than you do your wife's joystick. You say, I can't believe you said that. I'm a real world preacher. Some of you need to put that stinking joystick down. I know. Because the couples are coming to our office for, for, for marriage help. Because they're two years into their marriage and their husband loves the PlayStation more than he loves his wife. I want to tell you something, guys. That's not mature. It's time for you to grow up a little bit. You're not going to tell me what to play. If your reaction was that right there, if, if the hair on your back went up a little bit, that tells me you got a problem with it. Just like I had a problem with basketball. I didn't want anybody telling me, but I knew I wasn't maturing. And I told you, the more, the more you become attached to this world, the less you become attached, de- attached to this world. In other words, you detach and you attach, and I'm not talking about wireless. I'm talking about detached. So I I just speak into your lives for a moment. Young men, will you listen to me a second? Because I care about you and your marriage, will you make sure that you're giving your wife proper attention, love, grace, mercy, kindness, and that you have self-control with your hobbies or those other little things? I'm, I'm just telling you guys, I'm not mad or anything. I love you like crazy. I used to do it too, but I can tell you, I want Jane to feel most important after Jesus in my marriage. Well, the way you do that is to make her feel important, not being unkind to her. i got to clean that up. Young men, I'm not telling you to do anything that I don't need to do. But some of you who are 18, 17, or 16, you got that Kim Kardashian chasing thing going on in your head. I, I understand. I was there. But, but the scripture says, even for young men, listen to this. Listen to what it says about you. This is big words. It says you need to have integrity and seriousness and soundness of speech. In other words, when you speak about a girl, it's not any, well, I tell you what, I like to do. No, 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 no. No, it's, man, she's, she's a neat girl, isn't she? In fact, some of you, if you said that to you, man, she's a neat girl. <laughs> what? You said, you're so, what are you, an old man? No, but I'm trying to become one. No, but I'm trying to become one because just so you all boys, all you, all, just so all of you know, we're all headed to the last step. And I'll tell you what you're on this earth for, to get ready for that. I told you that it was a really simple message and I'm done. But here's my question. Where are you? Like pick it, pick it. If you, had to, if you had to walk up on stage, don't do it right now, but if you had to walk up on stage and stand where you are in terms of preparing for that, where are you? Are you out here? Are you 50 but you're acting like a two-year-old? Are you here? Are you realizing this morning, this is, this is where I'm headed? Are you there? I don't know. But where do you need to be? How might you take a step to be a little more prepared for what is coming 
for you. You're on earth to love, serve, all the things Pastor Dwayne's teaching, we'll teach in the next few, you're doing them all, but you're preparing for the final step that you'll take to be with Jesus. So Lord, I just pray over this congregation this morning. I just lift my hands, representing all of us. Some of us have, uh, honestly, we fooled around a little bit, kind of got out of place, got life out of order. And this morning, Lord, very simple message, so simple. But maybe for the first time, someone here even realized there's a ladder sitting in their life and they need to accept Jesus because they aren't even ready to climb up it. So Jesus, if I'm here and I don't know you as Lord and Savior, will you forgive my sins? Will you come today and give me salvation because you're the only one who can redeem my soul? You give me the right to become your son and daughter and I ask for that today, Jesus. And for the rest of us who just need to clean it up a little bit, Lord, forgive us. Help us to go out of here with a lot less glares and stares and all the things that we chase and be a little more like you. And we love you this morning. I pray your blessing over Rez and all the families represented here. Would you use this little message to help us get a little more prepared for the final step? In Jesus' name we all say, amen. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life, or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.